When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. We have got a great episode for you today. I got to sit down uh, with Catherine Williams and we have a wonderful chat. We talk we talk dance routines uh, to Duran Duran Records. We talk rapping to the sugar cubes on empty dance floors. And that's with that any of Catherine's song choices. It's an absolute treat of a podcast, this. Um, before we get on with the episode, uh, just like to say a few thank yous um, to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, uh, and a big thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then once you've listened to my chat with with Caff, please go and um, have a rummage in the archives because you'll have access to about 170 episodes with some of your favourite musicians, actors, comedians, producers, DJs. Go and go and have a little look, and uh, and I'm sure you'll find something that will tickle your fancy. Um, and if that's not enough, then I also have a Patreon page, uh, so you can go over there. Um, I put up four weekly radio shows over there, uh, as well as video episodes and um, Patreon special episodes. So there's loads of content goes up each week over there, and and also by by uh, signing up to, to to the Patreon, you're also helping support this podcast. So um, any any support given over there is much appreciated. Um, aside from that, if you can subscribe, um, that's really good as well. So just subscribe to the podcast, then you don't have to worry about missing any episodes. They'll just pop up on your listening device every week. Right, I've waffled on enough now, so um, I'm going to get on with today's episode. Please enjoy Off the Beaten Track with the wonderful Catherine Williams. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, we're recording. Sitting opposite me uh, via the means of Zoom today. Uh, I'm thrilled to say I'm joined by Catherine Williams. Hello. Hello. Nice to see you. Um, we've not met before, and uh, and you've been kind enough to respond to my my request online to uh, to come on and chat music. So um, I really appreciate that. Thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> um. So before we uh, we get on with talking records, um, Kev, can you tell me, because I guess there's this misconception that when, you know, when, when lockdown starts, anybody that's in the creative arts like just makes, you know, the lockdown album or just, you know, just throws <laughs> themselves into kind of creating. Was that the case for you? 
Absolutely not. No, (laughs) absolutely 100% not. I mean, so I was, when it started happening, all I saw was people in music who I knew doing live concerts online and talking about writing songs about the situation. And I felt completely helpless to that. I felt like I was in the middle of the storm and there was no way I could have any perspective. And, um, And I also felt really useless you know I wasn't a nurse or a carer or a cleaner or and I think that that really impacted on me I was like well I just I just put and put words to music and then sing them like what use am I and um it was uh it was about three or four weeks in and I was thinking I just haven't you know I kept getting asked to be on online shows and this and that and I just kept saying no I, I can't do it can't do it and then, why, um, why was that? Just be. I just something had switched off in me where I felt like I didn't have anything to give, and I just couldn't do it. And um, I'd never had that before in all of my career. I, d- I don't know what it was. I think it was just. I think it was the sort of shock of like what we were going through and I felt like I had nothing to say and it just seemed a bit glib to get online and sing a few songs (laughs) in the atmosphere and not that's not anything against the people who did that I was admiring of them um so the way I sort of broke that eventually was um my mum and dad are a uh really big like Doctor Hook fans <laughs> and uh, so I went online and I learnt their favourite song like Sylvia's Mother and I did a FaceTime just to them as a surprise because they're older, they're in lockdown, they're in Liverpool and um, and I said I'm doing one concert this month and it's for you two and it's this song oh, I love and they it. didn't yeah and so um, and my dad was like like waving his hands in the air and singing along and my mum was crying and like I got through the song and it just felt like such a connection and I thought ah right that's what it's not about me (laughs) and then I realized that the all of the stuff was just not about me thinking about me it's about connecting and then since then I've been able to do concerts and co-writes and things like that because the creative thing came back. I sort of got over myself, really. <laughs> so weird, isn't it? It's like it, it really is. You know, I think when I've asked this question to you know most of my guests, and it's like, did you throw yourself straight into writing? Everyone was like, no. They all had a very similar kind of knee-jerk reaction of like, oh my god, like what? You know, not not just creatives. I guess everybody just had that knee-jerk reaction to all of a sudden we was told we wasn't allowed to leave our homes, which is. Unprecedented, yeah. wasn't it? No one could ever have imagined, you know, this was going to happen. And and I, and I think, you know, what what that did definitely for, for a lot of people, certainly myself, it is. It was just, I miss that connection with people and and, yeah. and just being able to, you know, when when you see someone, shake their hand or give them a cuddle, and it's like, you, you know, you, you've been starved of that. And I know. Well, cuddle cuddling is like is like my only superpower. <laughs> I've been told that, like, I give the best hugs. And, like, so for the last six months, I feel like um, I feel like someone's given me kryptonite and I can't, <laughs> you know. And when I see people, I'm like, oh, they don't know how great I am at hugging. <laughs> 
so that's been that's been a struggle daily oh <laughs> uh, marvel and dc need to get on the phone calf i'll tell you that's the <laughs> ultimate superhero there <laughs> prolific cuddling <laughs> well right, i'm just built records. for it um, yeah calf what's the song with the greatest ever intro well I'm, th- I'm sure there's more, but, you know, when you get asked these questions on interviews, um, you just have to kind of go with the thing that flashes into your brain first. And I really think Roscoe by Midlake is just one of the best intros that gets me into any album. And it was my go-to driving record when I was driving myself around on a support for uh, Scott Matthews. And it was just me and Midlake. And I'd get in the car at the end of the gig and know that I had a six-hour night drive ahead of me and I'd stick Roscoe on. And just, like, the intro with, like, the guitar and then the drums driving in and it would just get me onto the motorway. And I love that album and I love that band and I think it's perfect. It was introduced to me by... um, Ben Trigg, who did all the string arrangements on Crown Electric. And, um, yeah, so I have him to thank. <laughs> Kev, have you... I, I, I've been trying to get this question right ever since I've started this podcast. Have you... <laughs> uh, and I've never got it right. Um, I'm nervous ha- now. <laughs> have you found your approach to to, to intros and, and, and songwriting, you know, as, as changed... As as your career's matured, have you? And, and obviously, what's also changed is the way that people listen to music. Yeah, you know, it's far more choice now. Uh, and obviously, whenever you're on a streaming platform, there's a constant array of yeah. you might like this, you might like this. These distractions, which you know, it's it's a you know, the consensus of opinion. When I've asked this question previously, it's both good and bad. You know, we we all adore the days of going to get the piece of vinyl and being able to cherish it, but Obviously, you could only afford one bit a week and, and et cetera. But as, as the way that people sort of like ingest their music now, has that, has that affected any way that you've, you've sort of changed the way that you write in any way over the, over the years? Um, yes and no. Uh, is the... Do you get what I mean with the question? I, I've I completely... No, 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 it's, it made absolute sense to me. And if I could hug you right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because I, over the years, I've become a, a songwriter for other artists as well. And there's, and that's like, that's a really different sort of mentality for writing songs. And I sort of equate it to like doing my own stuff is like a fine artist where I just work out creatively what I'm doing. And when I'm doing songs for other people, it's more like like um, a graphic artist where you're writing to a brief. And the more I write with uh, like pop artists and producers and things like that, um, the thing I get back in those sessions all the time is... No, this this intro needs to be shorter because of Spotify. This intro, you know, you have to get them in the first five seconds. Why haven't we started the chorus? And so there is, like, fundamental, like, structure um, restrictions when you're writing songs that people want to... Um, they want to grab that sort of streaming audience right away. Um, so that's the yes answer. And the no answer is, um, 
I sort of just pootle along and don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> so the song, I, I'm, uh, th- my my songs when I write them, they they sort of they're the boss and not me, and I don't like to have any of that um, business head on. So um, sometimes, uh, you know, I mean, I suppose it does feed in from the other stuff that I do, and I think I've got more sort of succinct and honed and like um sort of condensed songs so that they have like a sort of more of a hook but um but that hasn't I haven't got the cynical side of that when I'm writing I don't think anyone's answered that question as perfectly as you now wonderful oh, stop it. you know <laughs> that you're getting a hug <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I just think it's really interesting that, that you know writing it, it, and I and I guess it is the more pop edge of the market that that question, I guess, is more directed at because there the pop market is the thing that it's now become this absolute art form to create this perfect pop record. And, and so many of them seem to start with the chorus now. And, and, and as yeah. you say, like, shorten the intro, shorten the intro. So, yeah, well, thank you loads for answering that, Kath, because I think you've probably covered all uh, spectrums uh, that I was trying <laughs> to get the answer from there. Perfect. Track two. First song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Oh, yeah. I, was, I wrote my notes down from when we had an email because um, I've got such a flighty brain. Um, but, yeah, so when I was 10, I went to a tabletop sale and I bought Teaser and the Firecat by Cat Stevens. You know, it's sort of like got that sort of 70s uh, cover on the front of, like, a, a boy painted and a, and a cat and yeah. on the back it's like a really big close-up of a of of cat stevens with a beard and so my sister's two years older and when she had like duran duran and all like that 80s stuff on the wall i had um i had a bearded cat stevens that i used to kiss <laughs> <laughs> next to the bed and I think my mum and dad were really worried about me because like the only things I had on my wall was um, Daley Thompson uh, Cat Stevens and um, oh, who was the guy from the A-team that was crazy and used Murdoch. to talk with, yeah Murdoch <laughs> so um, so yeah it is it is quite hilarious but then when they met my husband it all made sense <laughs> So anyway, is your husband fire- like a mad decathlete with a beard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, he is. And so I just like put him at the side of my bed and kiss him every night. Um, so back to the music. Um, so Cat Stevens, yeah. I, so I put the record on because I used to listen to my grand's records and my mum and dad's records growing up. And I put, but I'd bought this myself and I didn't know what it was or what it was like. And I put it on, I think the first track was The Wind. Uh, it's definitely the first one I, I listened to. And um, it was so gentle and peaceful and his voice was so tender. And I'd never really heard that before in in music. I mean, it was the 80s when I was growing up, so it was quite all, you know, coked up and and, like, lots of horns and mm. lots of synths and stuff. And I was like what is this magical world? And I remember the tears in my eyes when I was listening to it on my dad's headphones. What was the emotion? It was kind of love. (laughs) 
because it was just so it was so tender and quiet and gentle and still and I just felt like it sort of it just completely entered me and I was in this I was in this song and I, I remember it really vividly and would this have been back in Liverpool yeah this would have been in Liverpool I was brought up in sort of Chilwall Walton Way you, you, you touched on something else then you said you was um sort of exposed to like your grand's records and stuff like that what sort of music was was you know being played you know indoors growing up well so my dad was like a big folky and sort of songwriter so there was like lots of dylan and he was he's a massive paul simon fan so i grew up with all of that sort of music and my mum liked Janis Joplin and um, and Dr. Hook, and so she was a bit rockier. And then my grand's music, she had like, she had Nina Simone and um, Joan Baez, and then she had like Lonnie Donegan and Val Dunican and like sort of weird stuff as well. And like she had a really weird um, Eartha Kitt album that was singing Bob Dylan songs, but. Um, she gave me her tees made and her like dance set record player and I had the smallest room in the house but I felt like I was living in my own flat because I had a dance set record player and I was independent yeah you know <laughs> I mean I had a... I'm loving that the, the, the fact you had a dance set but can we just talk about a tease made for a moment please because <laughs> my nan had a tease made and like whenever I'd get to start my nan's the thought that I was going to wake up in the morning and there'd be a little clock <laughs> with a mug next to it that would make me a cup of tea. I mean, it was like staring at the future, wasn't it? It was, it, yeah, well, it's the best sort of future where, where it's like, it's like, I love retro future, you know? Yeah. So it's like what people in the 40s and 50s thought the future would be. Yeah. And it's kind of really sweet and innocent, yeah. I mean... I've not seen a tease made since I was probably a, a little one. Um, one of the things in, in retrospect... <laughs> I didn't expect that I would be sat talking to you about <laughs> tease mates. It's really great. <laughs> what? Would the milk not have gone off by the morning? <laughs> yes, probably. Well, I think that you had to go down and get your jug of milk. The system's flawed. Yeah, it is. That's not it what is. you want. You want to wake up and yeah. you want the cup of tea there. And it's just, I thought, oh, I mean, did we, oh, could you use powdered milk? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's why they've never, you know, you don't really see them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people like think, well, just there's a kettle downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. And I can Get take up. a cup of tea back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, for track three, Kath, the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Uh, right, so the only two things that I could think of was uh, Salt and Pepper and Duran Duran. And the reflex by Duran Duran, my sister bought that and we decided that we were going to like do a robotics dance routine to it. And so every night after school, we would, like, practice. And it was fucking dreadful. <laughs> every time. Like, I, even now I'm thinking about... So the, the beginning was um, pushing the uh, K-1 
cap to one side, flex, 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 flex. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, it sounded so modern at the time. And then Salt and Pepper, it was all about the dances. I guess that's what kids do now with TikTok, isn't it? Mm. But, like, I remember it was all about how you dance to certain songs. Yeah. From, and from just... a tease made to TikTok in a minute. <laughs> Check us out. Still down with the kids. <laughs> Ragamuffin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did hear on um, on the radio the other day that there's some big hip hop auction. I don't know what it's to raise money for, but I heard Sean Keaveney getting very excited about it on on Six Music, and. And one of the, the, the most prestigious item on there are the two jackets worn by Salt and Pepper in the Push It video. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I have them. I've got them both. I just uh, put a big bid in. No. <laughs> Can you imagine going to like a sort of melancholic, folky gig and I'm dressed up as Salt and Pepper? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> doing, ro- doing robotics to a Leonard Cohen song. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. I mean, Push It is an incredible record, though. Like, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And, and I, I, you know, I remember seeing that. Um, we're, we're very similar in, in age, Caff, and so we were, we was both at school when that record dropped, and, and it was like all the girls are doing massive. the dance in the playground. Yeah. All of that. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I mean, it was slightly better than Flex, 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 Flex. Well, you know the Roger Rabbit sort of like dance where you used to do that and your feet would go behind each other? Yeah. I was doing that for my sister and um, she still talks to me and cries laughing at the fact that I was like showing her how good I was at it. And I managed to get my big toenail stuck into my heel (laughs) and it broke off and there was like blood. That's commitment. I know. She she says, I remember the time you stabbed yourself with your foot. <laughs> so, yeah, so I wasn't particularly the best dancer at it. Well, how did how did you find school, Kath? Um good and bad. I went to a I went to a sort of quite a rough comp that um joined forces with another comp that had closed down. And it was a bit of a culture shock, really, because I was I was a bit like, not well. They they thought I was posh. <laughs> I mean, it, would you believe it? But like comparatively, like you know, I was quite shy and quiet, and I was into um, drawing and books. I was just like kind of geeky and stuff. And um, when I got there, I was. I was asked out for fights by people for no reason. You know, they meet you at the gates for a fight, and I was like, oh, God. Um, So I used to find it really hard, and I didn't feel like I ever really fitted in. I remember one of the... I know we're not doing this for the tracks, but um, uh, there's a Janis Joplin song called Cry Baby, and I used to listen to that on these big brown headphones with a coil Uh, and I used to listen to her sing that every morning to give me the like confidence to walk to school Um, and I felt like she was sort of she was someone that I could relate to because like she didn't fit in you know she wasn't like one of the pretty she wasn't you know what I mean she wasn't like 
yeah, I just I just felt like I felt like an outsider, and it's funny because my mum and dad said that I did have friends and I was well liked, but it didn't feel like that. Um, yeah, but that was kind of good because it just meant that I I just got really into my own head <laughs> and I've never left. Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? Um, well, I always wrote stuff down and did songs secretly, um, but I didn't think I wanted to be that. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted, to, it was the time of like, you know, Ghost with Demi Moore and like, and, and I was like, I'm going to be like a, a ceramicist and painter and I'm going to live on my own and my bed is going to be here and my... <laughs> My canvas is over there and it's so 80s and I'm going to wear dungarees. <laughs> so that was the dream. And then I did work experience because I, I quite wanted to be a physiotherapist. And then I dislocated my elbow and had uh, 20 months of intense physiotherapy and that sort of put me off. <laughs> so, so when did you, when you say you was, you was writing um, things down and songs and stuff, was you playing as well then? Yeah, so I, we had a piano at home. Um, I wasn't really great on it. We had a few lessons, but I wasn't like, you know. And then when I was 16, my mum bought a guitar for me and my sister, and I just snaffled it. <laughs> and when I went to university, I took that away, and I just used to play guitar and write songs secretly all the time. And it wasn't until... Um, I was living in a shared house in Fenham in Newcastle and uh, a load of my flatmates heard me singing through the walls and they booked me onto a on a songwriter's night, you know, like where you do like three songs. Yeah. And um and they told me that they'd booked me on and that I had to do it. And so I didn't sleep all that night and I don't know why I just didn't do it, but I did. And then I got asked to do the next week, and on the next week there was someone there from the enemy, and they wrote about me, and then that's how it all started. Wow. <laughs> Second gig? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, from being, you know, as you said, feeling like a bit of an outsider at school and, and, and getting kind of, you know, lost in your own um, head, like, to then walk out on stage... Did, was, was, did you, was you confident in what you could do? Um, I've talked about this quite a lot because, and I still find myself a, a massive puzzle because I had stage fright, I had agoraphobia, stage fright, and when I first started out with like little black, um, dog leap stairs and then the sort of mercury little black numbers, I was sitting down on stage because I would black out with nerves. And um, I would have to go off stage and come back on, and I would be, I would be so ill before every single gig. I was and in the studio when we recorded both of those albums. I couldn't have anyone in the control room or anyone in the studio because I was too embarrassed to sing those takes in front of anyone. Wow. I mean, I, it was crazy, and it's like, why, why did I put myself through all of that? And I know that it wasn't for show, and it was... I mean, it, it, it's taken years and years to get to a point where now I really love live music. Yay, just in time for lockdown. <laughs> um, <laughs> are, you, are you driven, but, Kath? 
I think I am, yeah, but it's um because I must I must have I must have had ambition and drive to keep pushing myself through all of those years of of fear yeah. and 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 complete stage fright and I um it was that complete imposter syndrome of I was so scared of the audience. I was so scared of someone say, standing up in the audience and saying, "You're not qualified to do this," you know. Why, you know, or they would laugh at me or something. It was like really stupid paranoia. And then uh, I can. Te- is it okay to tell you how that changed? Of course. It- I feel like I'm just going off on one. No, this is um, what, the, the songs are just the anchor. The rest of the, the rest <laughs> of the stories is what I'm interested in. Yeah, so I was on I was on tour supporting um oh, what's his name? He he sang Trouble, 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 Trouble. What's his name? Um You know. <laughs> oh, it's um mm, It's on the tip of my tongue. Ray Lamontagne. Right, Lamontagne, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I was supporting him and I was pregnant with my first um son, Louis. And uh, I went on stage and I was like, got the nerves on here. And, uh, I mean, there were big, big shows. They were like, you know, Shep's Bush Empire, four nights in a row and stuff. He was really big. And, um, and, and the nerves were just not there. And I think it was because I was pregnant and it wasn't all about me. And, you know, I had bigger things to think about, like... How the fuck was I going to get a human head out my arse? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just sort of... It, and and the sort of... I realised that people were on my side and that they wanted the best. They wanted a good show. Yeah. And it wasn't that it was me against them. And yes. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So since then, touch wood, things have just got better for, for, for that side of it. That's wonderful. Kinetrix Future Weapons EP is out now. Listen 
on all the major streaming platforms or find out where to buy in the show notes. It's badass, like me, the sexy robot lady. Ooh, yeah, baby. Right there. That's good. What was the first record you bought, Kath? Um, well, well, Teaser and the Firecat was the first one I bought. Um, but in a shop, I think it was Do They Know It's Christmas. Okay. Just, um, it just happened to be that time when everyone, everyone bought that to, felt like they were changing the world. The first one? Know? Yeah. Not the second yeah. one with Big Fun and Sonia. <laughs> no, not the second one. One of my favourite videos to watch that. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I've got a bit of time after this. I might, uh, <laughs> I might have a little look. <laughs> um, Mind you, I looked like Sonia then. I had massive Liverpool perm. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how important were record shops for you growing up? And how important are independent record shops to you now? Well, important. Uh, So my sister was like my anchor, really. And um, we had... It was was the day of CDs, so we we were sort of crossed between vinyl and CDs. Um, And so we would go to uh, Oxfam on... Allerton Road together to get our vinyl and then we would go and we'd go to Quiggins in Liverpool um, and I would just adore flicking through vinyl in Quiggins like thinking I'm an independent <laughs> woman um, and I've bought loads of I've still got loads of albums that I bought when I was like 17 like like loads of early Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and I was just I just went through all of that um, but then also me and my sister would go to, there was like a sort of weird CD shop on Egbeth Road near Rose Lane and they would have um, all of the promos and the stuff that had been given to like, you know, like promos for DJs radio. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and often they'd be like white label stuff and we'd just go and like do potluck and stuff and find things that way. Did you ever find a yeah. gem in now? Well, yeah, uh, the orb, little fluffy clouds I got. Um, I got, there was also, like, psychedelic furs. Like, I've still got it, um, another girl, another planet. And, um, like, I just, it was really nice because that was my record shopping in, in that way for me just meant that I had this massive rainbow of, of, eclectic stuff you know like Led Zeppelin and and like Joni Mitchell opposite ends and then punk and and then what was going on in the charts didn't really interest me at all so I didn't keep up with the current stuff so yeah (laughs) I was at a boot sale once and there was um 
there was just a, like a wallpaper base table with a box of like white labels on it, and I and I didn't recognise anything on there. And I'm and I'm a, you know a bit of a music nerd, so I, I generally would sort of pick a few names out. But and I just saw this name, and I just thought, the Prayer Boat. That sounds lovely. And I bought this album by this band called The Prayer Boat. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, Cav. No. They're an Irish band. And to this day, it's one of my favourite ever albums. And I bought it completely blind, oh. uh, just thinking, I don't know what this is going to be like. And it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And hardly anyone's ever heard of them. But, uh, yeah, someone should have signed up that white label and, and made them happen because it was it was glorious. But to, fin- to finish off on that question, so um, how are you finding... The, you know, how much sort of importance do you put on independent record shops now well it's actually massive for me i mean the last thing i did before lockdown was um i did a sort of a tour of in stores independent in stores because i had the box set out with the record label and they were working individually with um with loads and loads of independent record stores where we would get like a load of people down I would do a live show then sign the stuff so that you know it was just sort of promoting it and getting getting that on socials and lots of things like that and meeting them individually it's amazing I mean we my husband has a bakery up in Newcastle and it's an independent shop and I just really value money going into the pockets of local oh it's falling. Sorry, it's my microphone falling towards me. It's trying to hug me, but you can't. <laughs> it's lockdown microphone. Um, yeah, so I just, I just really value that and that human thing. I think, um, I think Spotify has done sort of lots for making it available to. It's like the white label box, isn't it? Where you can just test loads of stuff out, but. Um, the connections and how those independents have had to change and shift and have books as well as records and have a coffee shop and make it a sort of place that people can go to. Because I think people forget that, um, like, a lot of the music scene is, like, live music and music shops are such a big place for... um, people who live alone or who find those connections through music and don't always have a relationship with someone and they need to have these places that they can go to and feel like they're part of the world. You know, loads of people who come to my gigs come on their own and it's. I just think it's like a... That's sort of what I'm sad about uh, with record shops that are not being able to keep open at this time and live shows there's this massive like hidden group of people who did have somewhere to go and now don't because they wouldn't necessarily go to the pub on their own and they wouldn't necessarily go to a restaurant on their own or they'd go to a shop but they couldn't hang around and actually talk and have maybe their one conversation in the day so um, yeah I suppose that's what's important about it well I guess while we're talking about going out, then um, we c- we can talk about track five, um, Kath, which is the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. <laughs> 
So um, when I hit 40, I was like, oh, thank fuck, I've been 40 since I was 16. <laughs> um, but I had to play the game of life and do all, you know, I, went, I had a great time as a student and I had a great time in Liverpool clubbing and I had brilliant friends, but I would be going to, like you know, cream or whatever, and there'd be, like, raving music, and I'd get some of it, but um, really what I was craving was um, Cat Stevens or, you know. So then when the clubbing would finish and we'd walk back all the way home, seven miles home, because we couldn't afford a taxi, we'd go to a friend's house and we'd like stick on something like uh, Little Fluffy Clouds yeah. by The Orb or that sort of come down music. And then that would always be my like favourite bit of the night. <laughs> I know, I'm such a sad bastard. <laughs> Do you know what? You, you, I reckon I've probably interviewed about 200 people on this podcast and most of them uh, are, you know are, I'd say 90% of them are musicians and and pretty much all of them have said yeah weren't really into clubbing like mm. and you know and, and, and kind of you know I, I would then sort of go well by clubbing I mean it could be like your, your local indie night you know and things like that which people yeah. would go to well, I'd like the indie nights, so that's a bit different, yeah. When you said clubbing, I was like, oh, I did do that, but, yeah. So was there it, lots of indie nights in, in Liverpool then? Yeah, there was Macmillan's um, just off Bold Street, and there was the Cavern. I used to go to the Cavern, really, like when I was young, going, to, going out. My sister's two years older than me, so I'd sneak in with her most of the time. And there was one song I always used to ask for, the Sugar Cubes hit. You know that song? Of course. <laughs> this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> and I was like, I'd always go to the DJ and ask for that song and um, dance to that. And now the mad thing is, is that I've, for the last, what, 10 years, I've been on, on one little Indian. Yeah, of course. So it's uh, you know, they've changed their name to One Little Indie, you know. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. With all the Black Lives Matter things and stuff, um, I think it's good, good decision. But yeah, so that's kind of mad. So for the last ten years, I've kind of been on Bjork's label. Have so. you met her? No, I haven't. No, no, no. But um, Derek, who runs the label, I stay with them quite a lot. And in his house, it's just, it's got all of the... So when you go to the um, the offices or his house, there's, like, all the stuff. So, like, you know, the big feet and outfits and all the pictures, and it's really good. Cool, there'd be a museum somewhere, wouldn't there? You could have a big old museum of some of her artefacts from her videos and her outfits that she's wore on stage. God. Yeah, she's uh, amazing. There. But I remember when I, I first saw Hit on the chart show and she had the kind of cones on her head. And like, oh, yeah. I remember just thinking, because I'd, I'd heard the name The Sugar Cubes before. I hadn't heard like the stuff like Birthday that had come out before that. But Hit, I remember thinking, was brilliant. And then, and then 
the guy would do that kind of odd, quirky kind of rap type thing. Rap, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew all of it. And then I, whenever I asked, I always asked for it early on in the night before people were dancing because there was like arches in the cavern and then either side there was like tables. And so it would, about nine o'clock on a Saturday... It would only be me dancing to the Sugar Cubes hits. Doing then, the full rap yeah. as well. Yeah, everything, yeah. And probably the accent, and people were probably like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Um, for track six, I'm going to ask you uh, the favourite song from an artist from your home county, please, Kath. OK, well, I'm from uh, Liverpool, uh, even though I live in Newcastle, and I'm f- I live between Chilwall and Walton, and uh, so the nearest sort of places is Menlove Avenue and Penny Lane, and where Strawberry Fields is. So my local artists were the Beatles, and um, yeah, so I, I kind of thought I'd choose uh, Eleanor Rigby, just. Because, one, it's a song that we used to sing at school. And when I was little, we'd sing Yellow Submarine and different songs like that. And and it took me years before I realised that they weren't hymns as well. So we'd sing, like, you know, all things... All things bright and beautiful. And then we'd sing Yellow Submarine. And I just thought... These were all yeah. church songs. <laughs> and then people were like, no, no, there's a band called the Beatles. Um, and I just love that it's so ingrained in the culture of Liverpool and such a part of it that, um, yeah. And I love Eleanor Rigby because it... When you think of the Beatles or you think, you know, like it's such a... It's such a sort of inclusive thing and it seems so mainstream and then you hear a song like that with like the cellos and the strings and all the all the harmonies banked up and and it's some sort of it's like some sort of baroque thing and it's talking about like like an old lady that dies on her own and all the lonely people in the world and I just think that the that sort of really People forget that the Beatles just were so free and open in their choice of what they were going to write songs about. It wasn't just all about young love and it wasn't all about it sounding cool and 60s and 70s. And yeah, so I choose that. um, A few people have have spoke about Anna Rigby for other questions on this in the past and and it's so interesting you said that you you studied that at school um mm. that was when i done music at school the first song that we had to kind of study was Eleanor Rigby oh was it yeah yeah it really and was. what did what what were you told to learn <laughs> well, I, I think it was like the, the, the lyrics really i think it was the first sort of song that i'd ever really sort of paid attention it was almost sort of storyboarded you know you can shut your eyes and see it can't you um, yeah, like a film. Like, do you? I mean, it probably sounds like a crazy question, but like, when you write your song, do you, do you, can you see it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's a. So I'm I'm trained as an artist, um, but like, not really any formal lessons in music. 
um, or or writing really. But when I when I make a song, it's like, it's very sort of sensual in that I'm 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 in a sort of film like, and I can see what I'm trying to do and it's not necessarily like a narrative film of like a story and a storyboard but I'm like in a place and like this is how it feels and I know that if the chorus is going in the right place because it will fit the framework of the picture in my head. I mean you answered that perfectly there. (laughs) Oh god don't say that I'm just (laughs) shit at interviews I always feel like Someone asks me about Bob Dylan and I end up talking about a yellow car. <laughs> Just go off on tangents. Right, for your last track, Kath, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Um, well, I'm a massive... Uh, well, two artists who I love, and I know that Gillian Welsh is much more well-known, um, but not well-known enough. I think she is a genius... And I also think Devon Spruill is a, a genius, and I'm massive, massive fans of both of them. Um, Devon Spruill's latest album, The Gold String, um, is it's such a it's a devious little record because you think, hmm, it's okay, and then with listen and listen, it unfolds, and it's just so beautiful and unique, and like I get really. I get really sick of like female singer song. I am female singer songwriter, but I get really sick of that sort of like simplicity or like like trying to be sexy or like I don't know. I just sometimes I just I just want someone to be themselves and the artist that can say things that. I'd not thought of before and both of them do that for me they tick the boxes lyrically and they push themselves melodically and both of them have um they both sing and you believe it so um that's and that's all I ever want I don't need people to do hundreds of notes or be the best singers in the world or be the best guitarists in the world I just I just want I just want to believe what they're singing and for it to move me. That's all. What would the track by Gillian be? Well, it would be Time the Revelator for me just because um, I gave birth to that song uh, um, through a haze of gas and air. (laughs) Um, But but the song itself has become um, a revelation and as I've got older, I've gone back to that song over and over again and just thought, my God, it's prophetic. It's amazing. It's just... And it's just so... She, I'm really impatient, and that song makes me less impatient, and she makes you wait for, for how it unfolds. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I, I, I learn every time I listen to that record. Well, Kath, I put together a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast of all the records that we've we've spoke mm. about, so people can go and um, explore um, all your choices and some other bits and bobs. I'll throw the sugar cubes in there as well, I think, and uh, oh, everybody yeah. can learn the rap. Then I'll put put Devon Spruill in because, like, she's less well known than Gillian, and I want to support support her. <laughs> I'll throw them all, I'll throw them all in there, Kath. Um, 
as we find ourselves hopefully on the way out of lockdown um what are you looking forward to most and what have you got coming up um well yesterday i just approved the last edit of my novel my first novel that's coming out next year oh wow I know it's been four years of secretly writing it Um, I didn't want to tell people that I was writing a book in case I couldn't do it and I didn't know if I could do it because I'd never done it before Is that that imposter syndrome thing again? Uh huh (laughs) (laughs) And um, I just got the go ahead for uh, from the label for an album I'm doing with Michelle Stoddart from The Magic Numbers Oh wow It's it's a kind of like um, it's quite it's sort of like a, a guilty pleasures kind of bangles. We, we, we're calling our genre clit rock <laughs> instead of cock rock. Love um, it. But yeah, she's like one of my best friends and we writing and singing together and they're joyous songs. And then I'm doing a Christmas album with Carol Ann Duffy, who was used to be the Poet Laureate. Yeah. So I'm just doing some interesting things at the moment and writing with artists all over the world and and making sure I try and get the dinner on and the hoovering done. <laughs> so if people want to kind of keep up to speed on, on, on what's happening, where's the best place? Um, so I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I've got a, a website with the label and they can join a mailing list and I'm on Patreon as well which is my like little secret club. I've got about 40 people and I just um, put songs on that no one else can hear and send letters to people and then they send me their addresses and I make paintings and send them in the post. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> and that's yeah. uh, patreon.com forward slash... Catherine Williams. Perfect. Well, yeah. I'll, um, I'll add them links to the bio of this podcast so people can go and explore all of them things. Um Kath, I've had an absolutely lovely time talking to you about records. Me too. It's been really nice to meet you. I'll, I'll meet you next week, same time. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, and as soon as this is over and done with this uh, this this lockdown, uh, I'm coming to Newcastle for a cuddle, all right? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my best jumper. <laughs> there you go. Catherine Williams, ladies and gentlemen. That was an absolute delight. Um Kath was so much fun, and uh, and yeah, as as mentioned, go and have a look in the the, the, the bio to um to get some links to go and uh, check out um what Kath's up to. Um, and as mentioned at the beginning as well, uh, if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, now you're done uh, listening to this, um, then go and have a look at some other episodes because there's a bundle, 170 odd episodes with. Oh, who, who have you got? Let's have a little thing. Um, if you like listening to actors, you can hear me talking to Maxine Peake, um, Lolly Adafope, Amanda Abington. Uh, musicians, you can hear me talking to bands as diverse as Deftones, to James Lavelle, to the Kaiser Chiefs, to Chuck D from Public Enemy. So there's all manner of, of, of chats to be had. So uh, go and have a rummage. And you can find out about everything at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Thanks ever so much for listening. Please subscribe, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor.
Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whipping. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.